0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Propo, good to see you, man. I was thinking this could be the only stage of the season that I am beating you ahead in the Drew Locks of the Week competition.
1: See, I think you've got to have more faith, Matt. I have said to you this morning already, I think that you're going to be hot for especially the early start of the season. You had a really hot start with the Pickhams going 11 out of 15 in a week where you had all of those road winners. All of those crazy results is remarkable. Picking the Bucks to win against the Vikings, that's a six-point underdog that you've just called out there. I'm feeling the Nat Coombs wave right now. I think we can ride it. I'm now fearing, after my bad beat between the Patriots and the Eagles, I thought the Patriots was the right side there. They should have covered that spread. I was very confident about that going into it, and it felt like it was the right side. Still got the loss. My fear is, after my first strong two seasons going 16-6 and six and 14-8, in the first two seasons, I'm fearing that I'm going to be Shrek three now, you know, Shrek one and (laughs) two unbelievable films. I've got a bad feeling this third, this third year could be the Shrek three and it could just completely fall off a cliff.
0: I love the way you got in uh, within the first 120 seconds of the show your incredible records from the last two two years that that's a that's a me move <laughs> 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 what that is so I look, thank you for the kind words I was really chuffed with, with my week one well, my drew lot landed our uh, three uh, team money line treble landed as well and as you say I'm leading in, in the picks contest Shane Vereen pick of a team guest incidentally this week so uh, the stakes are going to get higher because Ben really let the side down Benny only landed seven he really did. you got nine propos so he had an alright alright week pretty good week uh, 11 so I've already got a bit of separation there. Do you know what my trick is? Do you know what my, do you know what the secret to my success is this season? Chat, Chat GPT. <laughs> That's well, it's a combination of ChatGPT and Coco and Purples. <laughs> That's how I managed to have <laughs> such a stunning week one of the 23 season. But you know, it's interesting you were on the wrong side of um the Patriots. I think you're unlucky there. And I've been looking at a lot of them this week. One of the games we're going to get into today is Dolphins Patriots one of the games of the weekend? I think always, always fascinating when those two square off, but particularly right now with this McDaniel versus Belichick uh, chess match going on. So I uh, I've been looking and deep diving into them, and I think, and I know I called this a bit in the off season, but I was, uh, to be honest, proper. I was reaching a little bit in the off season, saying, "Oh, the Patriots might be sneaky good." I was trying to reclaim that glory of three or four years ago when I called the Patriots for the playoffs while no one else did. I wasn't really buying, I don't think, but they just intrigued me. Obviously, a Belichick team intrigues me, particularly this kind of unreconstructed. As somebody said this week, he's zigging when everyone else is zagging and they fascinate me. But actually, on the paper, looking at that game, I think they could be, could be sneaky good. I think the particularly now Rogers has gone down, right? That's opened up things in the East a little bit more. I think Patriots might be a sneaky good punt right now for a wild card. But more of them in a bit. We're going to get into Miami, New England. It's one of the two games we're looking at. You got a couple of games as well, Propo. You got your Propo, uh, Propos Prop Bets of the Week, which, by the way, listeners, hitting 100% right now. You nailed it last week.
1: Yeah, going 4-0 with the Prop Bets was, um, yeah, a really, really good way to start. And I was looking at some of the numbers this week as well. It seems like the bookies are... Looking a little bit too much into last season, from my in my opinion anyway, and I think that they're missing out on some of the lines and some of the trends that we saw on offense in week one. And I think you can read more into week one than you can into last season in terms of players receiving statistics and what they're going to be able to do. But of course, I also have a bounce back one in there as well, who is, uh, yeah, just to lend my hand a little bit here, it's going to be to do with those Cincinnati Bengals because I don't expect Joe Burrow to be as bad as he was week one and week two.
0: Well, I agree with you on that one. So we're going to get into a number of games on the week two slate. We're going to pick our favourite picks of the week, aka the Drew Locks of the week. Incidentally, propo, remiss of me not to shout out our brand new sponsor this season for Edge Rush Fitstairs. Already loving their work, and I know you are in particular because the guys were telling me that Fitstairs offer more ways—check this out—more ways to bet than any other bookie. More ways to bet than any other bookie, and if a prop isn't listed. You can get in touch with their team on live chat for a price. I mean, this must be, was was Fitstairs created in a lab by MIT geniuses for propo? Were you presiding over the Fitstairs project to build the perfect bookie?
1: It honestly feels like a dream come true. I've already asked them for a season-long prop bet on how many quarterbacks are going to say, oh my God, when Aaron Donald charges at them and that you'll be able to hear it on the mic. That's my first (laughs) one after hearing Geno Smith do that last week.
0: What is the, the over-under on that?
1: It's, it's, I reckon I've got it about eight and a half, to be completely honest with you. I think it's going to be at least half the games this season. You'll hear the quarterback go, oh my God, when Aaron, Aaron Donald is running at them.
0: <laughs> Do you know what about that? Oh, it, it, I, I love the fact that Gino was, in, in the grand scheme of things, relatively polite in, in terms of the language that he used i would certainly be far more profane i would be s- just squealing in, in terror uh, words we're not going to drop on a family show but just to say oh my god i thought this was just quite that's quite calm it's just, oh my god it's it's I know, normally you know what the I kind of preferred
1: thing was just that i would have preferred just an ah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's the kind of
0: thing that you would hear coming out of my mouth when I'm watching another bad beat, when I'm watching like another Baker <laughs> interception <laughs> and it costs a pick six Baker interception that costs me the game. It's just a, oh my God. <laughs> what was it? Love that from Gina. <laughs> So shout out to Fitstairs. Uh, we are loving working with them. Of course, if you are going to have any action, Uh, This weekend on the NFL or indeed on anything else for that matter, uh, just do everything in moderation. Uh, Don't get carried away with it. Be gamble aware to org 21 plus. You know the drill, gang. You know the drill. Right. Let's get down to business proper. Well, actually, you know, before we do, let's reflect on Thursday night football just for a little bit, because my streak rolled on because you and I were chatting yesterday ahead of the Vikings Eagles. And I said, I really fancy the Vikes plus six and a half, which, of course, landed. (laughs) am i lucky was that a lucky break or was it given the jefferson touchdown that wasn't that was a touchback was it actually a fair a fair call because looking at some of the numbers here two things really jump out first of all kirk cousins is on an insane pace right now this season our Mm. friend greg rosendahl coming up on the show very soon of course uh, was pointing out his his ridiculous numbers and i Immediately went back to him saying MVP, MVP. The Cousins MVP campaign starts right here. But Cousins is putting up insane numbers. Yet yeah, they 0 and 2. We've talked a lot about the the most hack uh, st- uh bit of data, uh, most hack stat from last season was how many games they won by one score. That was just trundled out relentlessly in the offseason. But we all figured that the key thing with that, of course, is the balance is always redressed in the NFL. You know, you look at turnover differential, for example, that's the kind of thing that levels back out. Your luck runs out in the end. And the Vikings are minus three in the turnover margin for the second straight week. So their luck is changing. And that, I guess, is is one of the main reasons why they are 0-2.
1: Yeah, I think the other reason why they're 0-2 is because going up against an Eagles side that has pretty much been renowned for its incredible run game, they decided they just weren't going to be able to stop the run whatsoever. And I know you laughed at me saying that the defense sucks last week, but I mean, that was, I mean, 170 yards for DeAndre Swift. And it just felt like every single play he was getting at least five or six. And you knew they were just going to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. They did really well to stop Jalen Hurts running with the ball, but that means... They've just literally allowed so much space to DeAndre Swift, and that is going to hurt them all season long. Yes, they went up against one of the best run games in the NFL, but I almost think that's worse because you're preparing for that. You know that they're just going to run the ball down your throat and rely on that offensive line. And if you still can't stop it, that is a serious concern. Whereas on the other side of the ball, we know that that's why I loved the over last week. That's why I loved the over last night, because you know that they're going to, be able to move the ball on offense. You know that Kirk Cousins can get that ball to TJ Hawkinson, to Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is, again, on for record pace. Over 100 yards in both games. A silly amount of receptions as well. Jordan Anderson looks like a player. He's already got two touchdowns this season. Mm. So it looks like they're going to be able to move the ball. Kirk Cousins is going to be able to move the ball. But... I'm afraid if their defense is going to perform that badly week in week out I mean did you hear what Baker Mayfield said he said he worked out their signals on defense within like the first half of the game and I just think that if Baker Mayfield is working out your signals on defense what about when you come and get up against like one of the top quarterbacks in the league you're going to be completely screwed so I do fear for this Vikings defense but I'm just going to keep backing the over in every single Vikings game because I still think Kirk Cousins is going to be able to put up points because of the weapons that he has on offense I think TJ Hawkins is exceptional and i think he was a great addition last season yes madison didn't play that well last night but i don't think they gave him great looks i don't think their run going to be able to get going that much especially going up against a top run d but i just fear for the for the minnesota vikings because they're going to win games in the same way they won games last season but maybe we've always saying how ridiculous it is everyone saying that they won all these games by very close margins and maybe that factor is going to come into it a little bit more than we are expecting this season, because it does feel like every game is going to be ridiculous. It's going to be 100 yards for Justin Jefferson, but they're also going to throw two interceptions and fumble the ball at least once. And I just don't think that's necessarily a formula to win a lot of games in the NFL I, despite the fact that they did this last season. I thought there was great moments in that, but I thought there was too many weaknesses for that Vikings team for me to be confident going into the rest of the season, especially looking at their division, looking at how impressive Green Bay were, especially on defence, stopping the run game last week against the um, Bears and obviously the Lions going into Arrowhead and getting a win in week one. I don't think it looks good for the Vikings this season.
0: You know, there's a lot to unpick there. The um, the thing that really stands out is what you said as a direct hit and diss on on Brian, on Brian Flores, basically. So the idea now, I think, that Flores is probably sitting somewhere in the Vikings facility with a with a room that just has pictures of Baker Mayfield and other and you on the wall. That's where he just goes to get. Set. That's his equivalent of his dark retreat. He just goes into that room for 20 minutes. I'm just going into the uh, purple room, and he goes in there just to just to get motivated. The, the shade <laughs> you're throwing, the great. Brian Flores, friend of the show, Brian Flores. Well, he hasn't actually technically been on the show, but but I uh, I have had the, uh, the pleasure of interviewing him. And it, as uh, I've mentioned a few times, one of my favourite characters in, in the NFL. And you have, for the second consecutive week propo, thrown a lot of shade at him.
1: Well, I think that at the end of the day, like... I'm going to maintain consistency with who I throw shade at. I'm not necessarily throwing shade at Brian Flores. I just don't think he's got enough talent to be able to have success with his unit. Do you, Nat, now, now looking after what we saw last week, do you wish that you had stayed on the bandwagon that you were sort of carrying the ship of being anti-Kenny Pickett? Do you wish you'd stayed on that?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I oh God, I, how bad would a how bad were the Steelers? And look, and again, I'm risking a lot here because, uh, of course, Mike Tomlin listens to the show. But the steel look, he would be the first to admit, I think, just how bad they were. But that is where you just got to take everything in Week One with a little pinch of salt because the Steelers, the Steelers will be fine. And I know I'm glad I, I'm glad I've zigzagged uh, to borrow the previous phrase, the aforementioned uh, check in phrase. I'm glad I've zigzagged on on Kenny Pickett I'm going to stay on the Steelers freight train for a few more weeks so another win for the Eagles they're getting stuff done the Vikings dropped to 0-2 but as you rightly say Propo Kirk Cousins on pace for 5,500 yards <laughs> probably the best mm-hmm. season uh, and this is the genius of Kirk Cousins he's going into a contract year. Mike McCartney the greatest agent in sports entertainment history is just licking his chops. It, I mean, this is just, he's going to land himself another mega deal. Kirk Cousins, whatever happened, he will probably go out of Minnesota. He will pro- would, someone was, someone was suggesting that the jets might look if him. The Vikings dropped us. If the Vikings dropped up to 0 and four, would they unleash, <laughs> unleash Cousins this season? I mean, that would unload him. I mean, that would be, that would be great. So Kirk Cousins getting stuff done but not in the right kind of way for the Vikings. The Eagles getting stuff done. They got to two and own. other big news this week uh, that dropped in the last 24 hours. Announcement that Spurs is going to continue to host games. or I should say Tottenham Hotspur Stadium is going to continue to host games until the end of the 2029, 2030 season, the 2029 season, to be precise. Uh, and what I thought was particularly interesting about that, other than well, obviously great news for us, NFL UK faithful, the more games come in, it's kind of locking it in in case that was in any doubt. I guess there's a little bit of, little bit of cynicism about it, given how much attention is being shown to Germany these days, and that seems to be very much mm. the, uh, the favourite child of the uh, NFL in terms of its international expansion. But so it's good to, for the NFL to reaffirm that uh, we aren't going anywhere as far as the, as far as the roster of international games is concerned. But it was the, the language that particularly interested me. Tottenham, the official status. As the home of the NFL in the UK. I mean, it's an incredible stadium. The games are uh, uh, terrific there. But I feel for Wembley a little bit. Wembley, Wembley's wembley been rolling since 2007, right? Uh, I feel that that's a little bit harsh. It was, do they need to say that in the statement?
1: Well, do you know, I have a theory that Ben Isaacs wrote that statement because the one area that <laughs> cannot be compared between Spurs and Wembley is... How much better the press food is at Spurs than it is at Wembley. Like, the press food at Spurs is like you get a full roast dinner, you get exceptional amounts of sort of like complimentary additions, you get a salad bar, you get endless amounts of puddings. And as we know, Ben Isaacs pretty much only works in the media for free food. And I think that he obviously, yeah, and I think that he pretty much spoke to them and said, Do you know what? I'm going to write this for you and I'm going to massively exaggerate. The extent to which we love Spurs, and to which it is the home of the NFL in the UK, as long as you just keep feeding me, that's basically just feed Ben <laughs> Isaacs, and Spurs will be the home of the NFL. i
0: would be genius. I hadn't made that obvious connection proper, and it's uh, glaring. It, it, we should I should have connected those dots a little bit sooner. It's all down to the buffet and Ben. Ben, who often incidentally, gang, I've seen him get seconds. I, you, that's kind of a, that's an unwritten rule that you, I mean you can if you want. There's nobody stopping you doing that. Bed often w- w- will do that as a as a standard. Sec- he'll, he'll double down plates. He'll definitely go the whole whole Puddings galore. L- lock it, take stuff up to the press box afterwards because it spurs. us on the ground floor where you get fed. I mean, the man knows no boundaries. Quite frankly, when it comes to when it comes to press free grub. All right, let's get down to it. Oh, um, Miami New England is the first game I want to look at two things in particular that i want to pick out here firstly some absolutely brilliant writing from mike sando in the athletic and sando deep dives into tua in particular and specifically the difference between tua under mcdaniel and tua under flores now it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out that they are altogether different coaches i mean if you're talking about different ends of the block. That's pretty much as stark as it can get, right? You've got defensive guru, old school in connections, very, very hard and fast approach that we're defense first. We're going to look at a ground game kind of offense. We are building our team around being impenetrable on the D. And yeah, of course, we've got to score some points as well. Versus zeitgeist, 31-year-old, drawing up gazillion plays from a, a mishmash of 55,000 different sources that he's found and saved over his brief time on Earth, dialing up next-gen offensive genius, right? Really different contrast. So, of course, two is going to fare better and be given... Uh, more to do be trusted more and have more around him in in the McDaniel offense but it's really interesting when you break down the numbers right so under Flores this is Mike Sanders reporting under Flores Tua averaged just under 10 yards of completed pass and five players accounted for two-thirds of his yardage that was Gesicki, Jalen Waddell, Parker, Devontae Parker and one of your favorites, Sol, because I know he's in your top 10 of favoritely named tight ends, Durham Smythe was also, I mean, what? But obviously they're kind of backup to Gesicki in that era, right? So yeah, just playing this out, the tight end heavy set. Gesicki, uh, you know, very much a, uh, a, a, a prototypical tight end of that uh, of that ilk. Great pass catcher, n- not so great with the blocking. Under McDaniel, two is averaging 14 yards of completion, almost four yards per completion higher. And two thirds of his passing yards are Hill and Waddle. So it, it's when you look at the numbers in stark contrast, it's just such a different place. So then Sando, and I won't obviously rehash it verbatim, go and read it. It's brilliant writing. Illustrates how that, how he's doing that. What's, you know, he, and essentially he's building an offense around to a playing to his strengths. Those two the addition of Hill, of course, enables this. And that sounds like an obvious thing, like, if you've got a quarterback, you're going to play to that. But not every coach does this. And this is Sando's point. And Flores wasn't doing that. And actually, a number of coaches say, mm, you've got to adjust to this and this way that we want to play. McDaniels come in and said, right, we're going to make everything about what makes Tua comfortable, what he can do best. We're going to add the right pieces to do that. And off you go. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing uh, such electric offense from the Miami Dolphins. Now, you flip this with... The Belichick defense that I touched on a little bit earlier, who is unequivocally, who has unequivocally built a defense around matchup advantages, right? So he and wiser men than me all have gone on record. Clearly, our friend um, Ollie Connolly is, is, has been brilliant on this. How Belichick has built a defense that negates the mismatches essentially. If the modern NFL, uh, the Andy Reid. Chiefs offense of mismatches where you got Kelsey in one spot, you shift him around suddenly Tyreek Hill or equivalent is in there. The next play and Belichick's talked about this, that the the fundamentals of mismatching and you're not sure what's coming from where Belichick has built a defense to combat that. So these position as players that can be moved around on both sides, it's, it's a fascinating matchup. It always is with Belichick. Uh, in, I think in any spot defensively. But this particular battle, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. This particular battle, Belichick versus McDaniel. I cannot wait to watch it.
1: I think it's going to be sensational. And I think also, I think week two is a, one of the most interesting weeks in the NFL because it really sets the tone. I mean, if Dolphins go 2-0 and with a win in Foxborough, That sets the tone for them to potentially be the favourites to win this division and to be one of the favourites in the AFC coming out of a very tough AFC East. I mean, this is a real one of those games which you mark on your card. If you manage to come away with the victory, then suddenly everyone is taking this Dolphins team seriously. Yes, they were very impressive last week, but there's still questions. Look at the way that Joshua Kellen, Austin Eckler completely ripped through that run defence. That could be a huge Uh, favour towards the Patriots Ramondre Stevenson wasn't necessarily that good last week but he was coming off an illness and he could really take advantage of that and I think when you've got two head coaches, one who's obviously a legend of the game and one who's kind of coming up and everyone's so excited about, you know that they're both going to try and make a statement here. And you know the statement for Belichick is going to be finding a way to stop Tyreek Hill and Tua passing the ball. And you know for McDaniel, is going to be doing the opposite. If he can go into Foxborough and get a throwing for 300 plus yards, then everyone's going to be talking about this offense as one of the best in the NFL. And there's a Dolphins team as a potential team that can go all the way. It really does set the tone. That being said... I'm in complete two minds about it. I'm fascinated to see where you're going to go with this because my instinct is always the Patriots off a loss, especially a loss which they looked better than the score suggested, means that I'll be tempted to move towards the Patriots. They're at home. It's a divisional game. And also I think that... One of the overarching narratives from week one is how good Tua looked, how good Tyreek Hill looked, how good this Dolphins offense looked. And as you know, as I mentioned last week, usually you try and fade what the overarching narratives are from week one. And you can see that in the way the betting is occurring. It's currently the Dolphins are currently laying three points in New England and also the majority of the tickets is on Miami at 61% at that number, but the majority of the cash is on the New England Patriots. I think everyone expects Belichick at home to bounce back in this spot. Oh, sorry, not everyone, but I mean the pros are expecting that. And I think they're expecting... Belichick to win this battle if you look at the betting on the total the total is at 46 and considering the Dolphins just had a 60 point game and the Patriots had a 45 point game you would argue that potentially that looks low and that's why the tickets are on over 54 percent. but the majority of the cash is on the under because I think people see the opposite occurring and I think you see a tight cagey game I just think it's going to be interesting to see how much success the Patriots can have an offense how much success can Mac Jones have he looked better last week in this Bill O'Brien offense yes the Matt Patricia thing is dead and it looks like we might return to what Mac Jones was in his first season in the NFL which is a competent quarterback a game manager who can get the job done when he needs to that being said Nat, this is one of those games where I'm fascinated to see where you're leaning because my my betting sort of Uh, M.O. tells me to take the Patriots in this game because they're a home dog, a home divisional dog, which is usually the perfect situation to take the Patriots. But at the same time, the Dolphins could be the real deal now. What we saw from them last week was so exceptional. What we saw from Tyreek Hill was so exceptional that we could see this Dolphins team really, and this offense, going to the moon. Here's a stat for you, Propo.
0: What do you think Belichick is straight up and against the spread against Tua? So, Bill Belichick against Tua, straight up Ooh. and against the spread.
1: Four games. Okay, I'm going to go three and one. 0-4. Oh Belichick is 0-4 oh against Tua.
0: propo, And that is, obviously, since the labour my point just a little bit, two types of Tua, right? Pretty much the, against the old school Tua, against everything I just said about Flores and, the, and that offense. He's 0-4 against the spread and straight up against two. Now, look, let's not read a huge amount into that. We know these have been quite indifferent Patriots rosters over the last couple of years. I'm with you. I think Mac Jones and the Patriots offense is going to be fine over the course of the season. But I don't think they're going to be able to keep up the pace here. Everything you said is entirely logical it's an incredibly risky spot This going against Belichick for all the reasons that we said. So I don't feel very strongly about this game. I wanted to talk about it because it's a fascinating game. And I know there are plenty of you that listen to Edge Rush that maybe don't take action, but just want to hear more football chat. And it's all part of our our preview. So I wanted to get into the game because we didn't really talk about it a huge amount with Shane or Ben or I'm Mike in the vault. So I wanted to get on it. I do, if I'm going to take action on it, it will almost certainly be the under. But I also like Miami mm. maybe straight up and I might put them in something else opposed to the points as well. Because 3 the light it's gone up as well, hasn't it? Because I've seen it at two and a half. So I think a lot of money's come in. Mm. Uh, I guess it depends where you're, where you're looking. And, and that number is obviously crucial as we always talk about. So uh, it's not a strong play for me, but put on the spot. I, I, I like the Finns to take it because I just don't think that New England will be able to keep up. I think that the, the Finns will put up 24... I think in that kind of, what is the team total actually of? You've got that in front of you, the Miami team total. Let's take a
1: look at that. No, I don't. But I want to put something else. While you're looking at that, I want to put something else up to you, which is. Tell me. As a Miami Dolphins fan, hypothetically speaking at this moment in time, if you are correct and the Miami Dolphins go in on Sunday night football and get the victory in Foxborough against Belichick's Patriots and you see it, potentially another weak performance from Josh Allen against the Raiders for the Buffalo Bills. I don't necessarily expect that to happen, but say that does happen. And do you, is this the most confident you would be off the back of a week two in sort of 10 years with the Miami Dolphins, would you say, in terms of being able to have a deep playoff run?
0: Yeah, I think it is. I think it has to be. You know, I, the, the the obvious concern which was the main concern of the offseason is Tua. But then I guess, as we've just seen with, with Darren Rodgers and the Jets, it's a concern of any team to, to a stronger or lesser degree. And and, and of course, and I'm not downplaying the significance of another concussion for him, because as we've discussed on this show, it's possible that if he does get another concussion, that could be it for him playing. So, uh, I, you know, there, there's always that fear. But then I guess you've just got to roll with it on the basis that he stays fit absolutely i'm not buying the bills i have real concerns about their ground game as well as their receiving core the jets obviously are a totally different proposition now the patriots as we've said i think will be dangerous and and scrappy and in the mix and like i say may make an inside rail playoff move but Really? 8-9, 9-8 and nine, nine and probably where they land. answer. So sure, I think the the East is wide open for, for, for the Finns if they get this win in, in particular. So yeah, I think I am. I think I'm more confident than I have been for a long time. Uh, I'm just looking at team totals here. Yeah, so 24 seems to be the line for, for the Finns, right, in terms of points total. So yeah, I think that they will hit that. And I'm not sure... Uh, you know, if the Patriots are hitting 17, you know, I, I think I think they I think I'm leaning towards them covering, but it's not a strong play. That's definitely not my Drew Lock of the week of the week, but it is going to be a fascinating yeah. game. The under the under interesting as well. Oh, what's your first game of the week?
1: Uh, potentially, you've gone from one of the most exciting games of the week. I'm going to lean towards potentially one of the least exciting games of the week, but nonetheless, it could be quite interesting. And I'm going to start with the. Uh, Carolina Panthers going up against the New Orleans Saints in the first of the doubleheader on Monday Night Football. Uh, I'm not expecting much from this game, and that's why I'm going to bet it at under 40. The Saints put up 16 points in week one. The Panthers put up 14 points. This is a divisional game in prime time. I expect both defenses to dominate. I expect <laughs> the unders to continue here. In week one now, nah, the unders were 12-4. and four which is an insane stat. But I think that's because everyone was expecting the offences to be as high-powered as they have been, not necessarily last season, but the seasons before. And I think we're just seeing that not very good quarterback play. And you've got three rookie quarterbacks starting, which... Uh, isn't going to help that. And I think you've got like, you saw the likes of Ryan Tannehill last week. He didn't look very good. I thought Derek Carr was actually one of the more promising ones. But overall in the NFL, I don't think the quarterback play is necessarily as high as it has been. And obviously, since the I call it the Chiefs effect... Now you don't get as many big plays because defences tend to sit back to not allow that and they tend to allow shorter yardage gains. And I think we're seeing a more dominant sort of defensive display in the NFL right now. I think defensive lines are looking as strong as they ever have. And I think they're dominating offensive lines, especially on that interior. Maybe I'm being brainwashed by the fact that I had to sit through that whole Cleveland Browns-Cincinnati Bengals game where you had Miles Garrett doing crossovers in the middle of the line and then literally just stepping DJ Reader, going round him and sacking Joe Burrow like there was no one else there. It was one of the maddest things I've seen. And you thought that might have happened in the fourth quarter and Miles Garrett was having fun. I'm pretty sure it was like the fourth play of the game for the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals and Miles Garrett's that confident in week one to go and do that. It is absolutely terrifying. But yeah, so I am leaning towards unders again in week two. Like I think this is systemic. I don't think that was a freak week one. I think we're going to see low scoring across the board, especially in the early parts of the season as these teams kind of establish themselves on offense. I think the problem with preseason, we know that coaches don't like it, is they don't tend to use their starters that often. So we sometimes see a bit of preseason tendencies in the first couple of weeks. And I just think defensive lines are dominating at this moment in time. And this is a perfect game for that. I love the matchup for the likes of Cam Jordan and the Saints defensive line against the Panthers offensive line. And I love the matchup for Burns and this Panthers defensive line against the Saints offensive line. I think we saw some decent moments from Bryce Young. I'm still relatively confident that he will be a good quarterback in this league, but we also saw some horrendous moments. So I think the Saints will have success in, stopping him my only fear would be potentially the turnover issues I think the Saints could turn over the ball quite a few times after Bryce Young's two interceptions in week one and that could go against the under but realistically I still don't think Bryce Young's gonna be able to put up that many points after only 14 points in week one against a weaker defense than this Saints defense and yes the Saints had success in the passing game in week one Car went over 300 yards Alave had a big game Shahid had a big game but I'm not sure that translates to to this week, I think the Titans have one of the worst secondaries in the NFL, so I think it's going to be tougher for Car this week on the road. So I think you give me under forty.
0: You are the unders king of Plumpton for a reason, Propo. I love the fact you've gone straight in. For an under to get your bounce back. Hang on, is that your Drew Lock of the week where you just, no, it's not, is it? Is it your Drew Lock no, of the week? No,
1: it's not my Drew Lock, but no, my, okay, Drew, right. my Drew Lock is an, also an under. Of course it is.
0: Okay. And again, you know, we've described how happy you must be that we're partnered up with Fitz, there, seeing as they can offer you pretty much any prop bet going and, and more than anyone else. And and the under's record in week one, it, man, what a start to the season in that respect for you, proper. So that is good. I like that. And it's in really good logic there. I am definitely going to be all over that. I love that pick. Uh, and your you're right, it's on paper a crushingly dull game. So let's take some action on it. I like that. I, I like that. Now, listen, oh, I'm going to go for the first time this season to that font of knowledge and wisdom, the fountain that we often bring our cups to drink from, to fill our brains, to expand our minds with NFL wisdom that we haven't yet talked about this season, but of course, over the years. Uh, frequently rely on to give us a right, the right steer for, for picks. AZ Central, <laughs> of course. AZ Central. And I thought I'd go to AZ, a, the Bible of the Bible of football insight. I thought I'd go to AZ Central for my second game of the week, which is appropriately enough Arizona uh, up against the New York Giants. This is what AZ Central had to say about this game. In that, this remember specifically their their picks. Uh, column, right? Where they, they give give you a nugget of wisdom for every game that will help you make the right call. This is what they said on this one. Both of these teams, the New York Giants and Arizona, both of these teams are coming off losses in week one. <laughs> That's the first point. But the Giants didn't even score a point in their 40 zip drubbing against the Cowboys. That's what I have to say about this game. That was it so that's insight. Both teams that's are insight
1: that's, that's the kind of insight you can expect from A Z Central. let's be honest i mean you could argue there's more insight there than you've given us in the first 35 minutes of this show
0: <laughs> well that's a fair point you know what it reminds me of our friend marrick larwood friend of the show all pro marrick larwood who many of you of course will know and love and uh, many of you will, will remember long-time listeners to the show will know that me and Merrick go way back and we started out as stand-ups together right that's how I got into the into the business. I was a stand up with Marrick and a lot of uh, that generation, um, some brilliant guys, and, and we cut our teeth in you know three, four years on the circuit, and then I, I parlayed into broadcasting. Right, uh, that's kind of how it how it rolled, and that's how Marek and I met. And we often talk now about the difference between stand ups now, back then, and this is like twenty years ago when we were kids starting out. And one of the things Marek always says is observational comedy has always been around, and. Comics like Seinfeld, for example, the masters of it, in Seinfeld obviously in the 80s and 90s in particular, the masters of it were, <clears throat> and I guess latterly, whatever you think of him, it might not be your cup of tea, but someone like Michael McIntyre has has carried that torch of that style of comedy, which is picking things that are going to resonate with a quite a wide, Peter Kay, I guess, does does this too to a degree, a, a, a wide cross-section of society and therefore your audience and people can relate to it, and then goes on and at least riff some material on it, right? That's the, a good observational comic will do that. Marek says often now is that that's st- been replaced, essentially, by people who, stand-ups who just make statements. <laughs> it's just, no, they're making observations, but then they're not doing anything with it. It just It's just, they think it's funny enough to, to make the statement. And then, yeah, where's he going to go with this? Oh, he's not going anywhere with it, because he's just going to move on to the next statement. <laughs> That's what AZ Central is, right? It's just, just every week it just makes statements about their... They didn't even score a point in the 40... Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what happened precisely with the scoring bit of the 40 nothing game. But now I get it. So, love you, AZ Central. Every week all I want to have an AZ Central nugget on this show.
1: Yeah, we've got to at least have a couple of quotes. I mean, we could potentially try and predict what they're going to write so say for example Kansas City chiefs bounce back and beat the jacksonville jaguars by say 16 points and patrick mahomes uh, throws over 300 yards do you think az central's first line for the chiefs game next week will be patrick mahomes has proven himself to be a good quarterback in the nfl
0: <laughs> yeah in case it was in any doubt patrick mahomes is back because I was yeah. worried. I mean, after that, I was worried that my homes might have fallen off a cliff, you know. So I'm glad that AZ Central have squ- squared that up for me. All right. So this, um, and by the way, before we get tweets on this or, or messages on social, can we call them tweets? What do we call them now on X? I don't know. We're gonna we're gonna keep calling them tweets. But yeah, I am saying Z D, Z deliberately before we get before I get any hits. Nat, you're English. Why are you saying Z? Generation Z uh, with propo in the house. Okay, Arizona. Well, they didn't. They, here is a little bit more of a deep dive than AC Central. Didn't score an offensive touchdown in the game against Washington because the people lurk, might see the quick highlights. Oh, that guy ran them tight. They kept flashing up on red zone. I was thinking, bloody hell, Arizona, what are Washington doing? But they didn't, they, they, their offense is, is, is terrible. It's Josh Dobbs. It's, they've got James Connor, sure, but he might even play against the Giants. He's been limited in practice this week with a calf injury. Incidentally, do you know Josh Dobbs' backup is off? This is a really unfair question, throwing you under a bus. But can you name Josh Dobbs's backup?
1: Josh Dobbs's backup. Because they released uh, Colt McCoy,
0: didn't they? Exactly. So Josh Dobbs's backup is Clayton Tune. <laughs> I mean, That's this is not this the, real. It's it's real. I looked into him. We need to get Ben on the case next FFS. I'm going to ask Ben for some rookie notes on him. He was a fifth round. He was their fifth round pick this year in in the draft from Houston, played his college ball in Houston. So I think this might be the weakest one, two quarterback tandem in the, uh, maybe in the history there. Well, well, I don't know. We'd have to ask Mike about that. Mike's going to wheel out someone from 19, you know, tag team for 1951. But I I don't know. This has got to be up there with top five weakest quarterback duos of the last 20 years, at least. Right, Josh. I Dobbs think that
1: you. This just Tune. this just goes to how un this goes to just how unknown Clayton Tune is. My according to my statistics in front of me, you have more Instagram followers than Clayton Tune. <laughs> oh my god,
0: that's incredible. And uh, and, me, and me and the Graham don't get on particularly well. Although I must, I, everyone keeps telling <laughs> me. AJ keeps saying you got to work, you got to do more stuff on Instagram. Uh, okay, so down to business. Old friend of the show, Darren Waller, back. For the New York Giants, he. I love Waller. He's banged up. He's. I'm playing. I'm not. I don't care. He's already. We know players week seven, week eight of a season are playing through injury, and most players halfway through the season play the rest of the season through injury. Waller's week two, and he's. I banged up, and I'm playing. I think Saquon goes off against Arizona. I hear. I think it's a big bounce back spot for Saquon. Everybody, uh, to your point, it's it, and it's a really smart play gets overhyped on certain teams and just underplays others because of the, they they ran into a buzzsaw week 1 against the Cowboys it was just um it was just horrible for them in terms of the the Dallas D specifically right i think this is the perfect bounce back spot for daniel jones i can't believe even though it's a weird number as simmons and cousin Sal would say it's the vegas zone the number of uh, 4 Four or five, those kind of weird numbers. But I like them all day long. I don't think Dobbs gets anything really going against the Giants. I think it is an absolute bounce-back spot for New York. I love them. It's my Drew Lock of the Week. New York minus four.
1: And I think that there is um, some of the edge, Nat, has uh, disappeared this season in terms of uh, the value kind of that you get in week two compared to week one. Like, I think that the public have now caught on to the fact that people overreact to week one and that's where you can make your money by bouncing on the value that you get from the overreaction to week one. Mm. And But I think there are still a couple of instance, instances here where you are still getting value and I think this has to be one. I think people are looking too much into the Arizona Cardinals and the, what they managed to do against the commanders, which was essentially just play dirty. I don't think that defensive performance was that impressive. They just really went after... The, uh, the commanders and just essentially played really unattractive football and just tried to dirty their way through the game. And I don't think that's that impressive. I think minus four, I thought it was going to be minus six, minus seven. I just don't think you can read too much into what we saw on Sunday Night Football. And I think that the New York Giants under Brian Dable are still going to be a very, very competent outfit. And I still think they have something to say in this division. I don't think they've just fallen off a cliff. There was a lot of moments in that game which you couldn't really control. And I don't think you'll be able to repeat week in, week out. And I'm completely with you. I probably would have been said, this would have been close to my Drew Lock of the week, but you got there first. I'm very confident about this. But the only thing is, is just, you've terrified me now because what if Dobbs goes out the game and Clayton Tune comes in? Then we're...
0: (laughs) Clayton I mean, seriously, it would be one of the most... it It would be one of the most textbook me things of all time right wouldn't it if it that after all of that clayton toon a star is born clayton toon the rookie from houston 444 yards four touchdowns oh i've got now you got me worried just to keep Dobbs in the game new york otherwise <laughs> otherwise we could be in stuck. all right that is my drew lock of the week propo How about you? Which way are you going? Week two, got to bounce back, need the win. So
1: what do you got? Well, you know what I do when I need the win, Nat, for my Drew Lock of the Week. I go to the under. As I've said, it was 12 and four in week one. So I'm going to go straight back to it. Already said one. And I'm just saying, I've got to apologise to everyone on this show because we've just gone from previewing one of the great games of the week in the New England miami game to previewing panthers saints giants cardinals and now i'm going to bring up Colts texans and i think these could be the three ugliest games on the slate next up nat what are you going to do you're going to bet commanders broncos so you're going to go in the over and that again go back to the russell wilson well <laughs> uh, yeah. do you think that is that going to be our it's going to come good at some point at some point it will come good yeah <laughs> We've got such a prestigious sponsor in Fitstairs who are all about high society and the high points of life. And in the show, we are literally previewing the ugliest games. But sometimes that's where you get the most value because people don't necessarily always bet on it or people kind of do throwaway picks on it because they don't tend to do as much research in it. And I think that the under, under 40 here, I just, I think it's a good bet when you've got two rookie quarterbacks. Houston Texans, I watched a lot of that Ravens-Texans game now. And I think the Texans' defense, under D'Amico Rands is actually going to be quite strong this season. I, th- I was impressed with what I saw. Will Anderson Jr. is going to be a stud in this league. He had the most pressures in Week 1 for a rookie since the likes of Nick Bosa, so he's in great company there. And I think he can have success against this Colts offensive line. I think that the only weakness on defense is the Colts secondary. And I do think CJ Stroud could have more success throwing the ball than he did in Week 1. But I still don't think enough to be able to put up, say, 20 points in this game i think it's an impossible game to pick in sides i think it could go either way yes we saw anthony richardson play very very well against the jacksonville jaguars but i think this texans defense is stronger than the jags defense and the texans offense only had nine points last week the colts uh, offense only had 14 points last week and i expect a similar game here i think it's going to be 2017 either side 17 14 either side i don't expect a lot of success on offense for these rookie quarterbacks. And I think it's going to be a cagey battle. It's going to be a divisional game where it's going to be huge in terms of the record at the end of the season. But I think the under is the strong bet here at under 40. So that's my Drew Lock of the week. Love it.
0: The under's king of Plumpton taking care of business by going back to the under as well. And, and I think it is a really, really sharp play. You know me, this is one of the fundamental differences outside of the Gen X, Gen Z stuff we joke about. I think if you could pinpoint the fundamental difference between me and you, it is I will always back the over, you will always back the <laughs> back the under. You smart, clear logic, me, emotion, getting <laughs> carried away with the shootout. Uh, but on this occasion, man, maybe I've learned my lesson. Maybe, you know, I, I will follow you when you have conviction. I always back your Drew Locks. And it served me well and indeed served our listeners well over the last couple of years. So I have faith in you. Uh, like AZ Central will build up my homes next week after his bounce back win. I'll be doing exactly the same for you on Edge Rush as the Underlands. I love it. OK, those are our Drew Locks of the week then. First bit of business done, but we're not even getting started yet. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear some messages from our sponsors. Uh, but when we come back, there is plenty more to deal with. We have our Moneyline Treble of the Week. We're already 1-0 on that. Propos, bets of the Week. He's already 100% 4-0 on that. And a brand new feature for this season's Edge Rush dropping for the very first time this week. It is our Peterman Parlay. Yeah, you heard it here first. The Peterman Parlay. That's all coming up. Welcome back to Fitstairs Edge Rush. Of course, fitstair's the only bookmaker who are going to double your payout if you're winning first touchdown bet, goes on to score again in the game. Well, that's quite, I wonder you might roll with that. Double touchdown score, proper, you can mull on that one. Regular season only, that applies to you. The maximum extra payout is £500. Terms apply, 21+. plus. Be gambleaware.org. Incidentally, if you want to have some action on this weekend's games, the link to fitstairs is in the show notes. So hit that up in the show notes we'll also push it out on our social channels as well at the nc show facebook instagram twitter slash x threads tiktok we're on youtube as well the shane vereen video brilliant video from shane vereen over on our youtube channel uh just search the nc show or if you hit the link in our show notes it'll take you straight to that as well subscribe to it and then all the videos will drop in uh, as and when we drop them. brilliant stuff on shane from shane i should say on aaron Rodgers. uh he knows him well trains with him Really good insight into that whole situation and the whole episode in the pod vault. Love it. Go and see, seek that out. Right, Propo, let's go next to, what do we do, this brand new feature that we're dropping this week, our Peterman Parlay. Now, we've called it the Peterman Parlay. For what reason? What grounds? Forever, forever, It will be forever known as the Peterman Parlay. But but why did we go Peterman? Just the alliteration uh, quarterback that maybe isn't great? Was that, is that?
1: basically it or is there more to it than that? I think it's because what we try and do on this show now is provide a legacy to the quarterbacks who may be forgotten because of their lack of capability in the NFL and I think what we've done with Drew Locke is he will never be forgotten as a result of the fact that he is our Drew Locke for the week <laughs> we've named it after him and we will get him on the show eventually and also Nathan Peterman he deserves some respect because he gave people more entertainment than a lot of quarterbacks in the league because of just how <laughs> awful he was whenever he was quarterback in the NFL. So and I just think that we need to just so pay, pay some credit to these guys. So as long as we name all of our different features after incredibly average slash below average slash terrible quarterbacks, then we will provide a legacy for them. And I just think that's our credit. That's our, that's our duty net to the NFL. I love it. I love it.
0: I love the fact that we are going to get Drew Locke on at some point. It, it is one of our missions. Uh, we need to work on, I think Nate Peterman could be realistic as well. So I think we should aim for that as a season objective. Drew Lock's probably less like, well, Maybe We can maybe work around getting Drew Locke on, but Peterman, I think we should really... Where is Nate Peterman these days? Where? where... I need to look up where Nate Peterman... Is he in the XFL? (laughs) Chicago Bears. He's the second stringer. My God, how did I miss this? He's the backup to Fields? Mike, we're going to see Nate Peterman in the NFL. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, All right. So let's do the Peterman parlay. Over to you, Propo. This is your bag. Just talk through what we're doing and then who we're picking.
1: So this is essentially, we usually do a money line ACCA, which is betting on three teams on the money line. So it's a money line treble. This is going to be three teams we pick against the spread. So it's tougher, but you'll get higher odds. It should be around six to seven to one. And this is going to be three teams we haven't necessarily focused on (coughs) already in the podcast. And it's going to have, we're going to put a narrative surrounding it. And I think this week it has to be the bounce back Nate Peterman parlay because what we saw in week one was the three high powered offenses, the three... Big dogs of the AFC over the past two seasons all losing. We saw the Bengals get blown out by the Browns. We saw the Bills lose to Jets in remarkable fashion on Monday Night Football. And we saw the Kansas City Chiefs lose to the Lions in remarkable fashion on Thursday Night Football. Pretty much just down to Kadarius Tony, And I expect all three of these teams to bounce back in week two. The Bills are going up against the Raiders at home. And yes, the spread's quite big. It's a minus eight and a half, but it's dropped from minus 10. And I still think the number should be closer to minus nine and a half, minus 10. The Bills last year, when they win big, they win big. And that is, Mm. they had seven games where they won by 10 points or more last season. Josh Allen, he's very much like Marmite. He's either very much sensational or he's awful. And I think that's probably the first time Josh Allen's ever been compared to Marmite. And I think it might be the last time Josh Allen's ever compared to Marmite. Not even sure if that reference really works.
0: I think we should ask Josh Allen about that. If we could try and get a question into him when the Bills come over about Marmite in some capacity, whether he knows you've compared him to Marmite or not, or what he thinks about Marmite, maybe throw <laughs> Vegemite in there for us. Just see, just kind of like that time Ben went on that really weird riff on TalkSport about quarterbacks as biscuits. It's kind of kind of the same thing there. So you think, okay, bounce So back we do quarterbacks. So we're
1: going to do quarterbacks. As, we'll do quarterbacks as sort of spreads. Is that what we're going to do going forward? I'm, I'm, I'm more... Yeah. The I'm more than happy spread. to do that. So the Buffalo Bills that. is the first one, minus eight and a half. Everyone Again, we're going on these narratives from week one. A lot of them haven't necessarily carried over. A lot of people are saying that they're not reacting too much to week one, but I'm seeing a lot of people questioning Josh Allen, people saying that he's not an elite quarterback anymore. Yes, he's had more turnovers, more interceptions than any other quarterback in the NFL since 2018, but he still puts up points and points and points year in year out and when he's good he's very good and I think going up against this Raiders secondary that looked better than they are against the Broncos last week I think we will see Josh Allen have success I think Gabe Davis yes he hasn't really existed since that incredible playoff game against the Kansas City Chiefs two seasons ago but I still think he will be able to get some separation deep against the secondary and I think that Davis can have a big game and I think that Josh Allen will go back to work and I think that if they do manage to replicate any of the success that we saw from them last season I think they will win this game comfortably so I like it at minus eight and a half Cincinnati Bengals I said it last week I expect them to go one and one in the opening two divisional games of the season I said I expect them to lose against the Browns didn't expect it to be that bad but what we saw in that game I had to sit through the whole thing of it was something that I don't think we'll see for the rest of the season which is just Joe Joe Burrow being damn near awful he looked like Nathan Peterman in week one against the Browns and yes his offensive line didn't really help him in that game but also every everyone's allowed a bad day we've all had bad days here maybe not you Nat Carlson certainly doesn't think he's ever had a bad day but I can assure you <laughs> he has had one at some point point. and Joe Burrow had that bad day in week one and I don't think he's going to do that in week two I don't think the Ravens Defense is near, nearly near as good as the Browns. It's the Bengals at home. T. Higgins, I expect to bounce back. Jamar Chase, I expect to bounce back. This offense didn't die overnight or in the preseason. I think they'll be able to bounce back. And the numbers just dropped to minus three, which is a key number. So I like the Bengals at minus three. And the last one is. And we've joked about it on this podcast already, but I genuinely think Patrick Mahomes is still underrated. I still don't think he gets the credit that he deserves. His performance last week was completely overshadowed by the fact that his receivers couldn't catch a ball. And you said it last week when we reacted to the game on Edge Rush that... I don't think you're going to see... Kadarius Tony is hot and cold. He is going to have weeks where he's horrendous and he's going to have weeks when he's really good. And I think we'll see that from him potentially this week. Travis Kelsey looks like he's going to return. And going up against a Jacksonville Jaguars team, which... They shouldn't have covered that spread against the Indianapolis Colts. The only reason they did was because Gardner Minshew didn't realise he was going to come in. There was that classic thing where I think Gardner Minshew was already having a beer on the bench because the game was already over and he wasn't expecting. And then suddenly he was, oh my God, I'm in the game and it's the first and goal. <laughs> I don't know what to do. He'd barely even tied his shoelaces at that point, And he just completely flopped it. The Colts should have covered that number. And that was the Jags at home against a rookie quarterback. They're going up against a Kansas City Chiefs team here who... I. St- thought were really impressive on defense. They've signed Chris Jones, so they're only gonna get stronger on defence, so that will cause the Jags some problems. And I think that the Patrick Mahomes will bounce back. His statistics off the back of a loss are so impressive. He's 10-1 straight up, 7-4 against the spread on a road or neutral field after a straight up loss. Last year, Myles played two games off a straight up loss where Kansas City scored 20 points or fewer. They went 2-0 against the spread and averaged 43 points in those two games. I expect a big bounce back from the Chiefs. So in this game, it's the bounce back, Nathan Peterman, Acker, Parlay, whatever you want to call it. It's a really long name. I love it. And it's the Chiefs minus three and a half against the Jaguars. It's the Bengals minus three against the Ravens. And it's the Bills minus eight and a half against the Raiders. Love that
0: Propo. And gang, you know when Propo is passionate about something and really in the zone, it's when he just suddenly drops into a slight kind of Guy Ritchie movie. Geezer. As he went straight up. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, i dropped just drop, drop the mask for a minute. <laughs> straight up, Geezer. Love that for propo. All right, brilliant. <laughs> uh, let us. We got to wrap things up, propo. So let's rattle through. Uh, why don't we do oh, your? I give
1: me a break. I can't. I don't know if that was that was way and too you, much yeah, for me. That was that was a, a get... rant for me. Give me a break. You do the moneyline line oh, okay. here.
0: We'll we'll end on the prop propo prop bets of the week. Um, you uh, go get a complete I need change have a of cigarette. blood, <laughs> some some oxygen, and a cigarette. Uh, okay. Well, a moneyline treble. Not exactly rocket science that we're taking the Giants in it, seeing as they're my Drew Locke of the week and seeing as all has gone as the Unders King of Plumpton for an Unders bet, then he doesn't have a team to to, to chuck in it straight up on the money line. So uh, the Giants, as we've outlined earlier, we think will find things pretty comfortable in Arizona unless it's the Clayton Tune effect. Uh, Next up, the aforementioned buzzsaw of the Dallas Cowboys defense at home against Zach Wilson and the New York Jets, who were remarkable to get the win on Monday Night Football after everything that went down and met life. But they're not going to be able to do anything to stop this Cowboys' deed. The, the Jets offensive line we knew was going to be poor as problematic. It is, we talked about some of the numbers that Daniel Jones hasn't faced that kind of pressure in any previous start he's had in the NFL in four years and change. This is a bona fide championship defense from the Dallas Cowboys. They're going to r- walk all over the Jets. Cowboys straight up there. And then thirdly, we're going to go San Francisco. The 49ers laid down a marker week one against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are clearly championship contenders as well. San Francisco, I feel, will are we, well, I wonder what is the line there at that in LA. So this is obviously, we're picking them as straight up money line, treble it. So don't minus worry. Seven and and about a the half. Spread. But oh, do, you think, do you think they'll cover as well? I think they might, I might take a bit of action on them covering too, but that's a difficult number, isn't it? Seven and a half. So um, uh, don't quote me on that, but definitely take them on the money line, treble. So Dallas, New York and San Francisco are three teams straight up money line, treble. Let's go to an oh, gang. We're going to nail that. And speaking of keeping a perfect record, propo, 4-0 with his prop bets last week. Take it away.
1: Yeah, we're starting here with Jahan Dotson over 43 and a half receiving yards. Jacoby Myers had nine receptions for 81 yards after he just before he took that huge hit in that game against the Broncos and two touchdowns against the Broncos secondary he had as well. Yes, Pat Sertain is a stud, but I think he's going to be focusing on scary Terry McLaurin and there's very little depth at the corner position for the Broncos. I don't think they can generate as much pressure as they have in recent seasons. So I love this spot for Dotson, an insanely talented receiver with a quarterback Back who loves to throw the ball up. I just think this number is too low. I've already hinted towards this one that because of what I expect from the Bengals in week two and the bounce back from Joe Burrow, but I like T. Higgins over 60 and a half receiving yards. Yes, I know he had zero yards in week one, not ideal, but he also led the entire NFL in week one in air yards and he had eight targets. Burrow was poor against the Browns. That won't happen again. Lightning doesn't strike twice. This Ravens secondary is banged up and I don't think the defense is nearly as good as the Texans made them look. I love this as a bounce back spot for Burrow and I like Higgins to go over this number which I think is just a little bit too low considering the talent he has and considering he is in a contract year as well. And also the last one, this one just confuses me to a, to quite a like a big extent, Nat. Bijan Robinson over 17 and a half receiving yards going up against the Packers for this Falcons team. 27 mm. yards on six receptions last week. Average 25 uh, yards receiving in all of his time in college. Has a quarterback who can't seem to complete a pass longer than eight yards. I think this number is just <laughs> simply too low going up against the Packers side that just allowed 37 yards to Khalil Herbert out the backfield. Give me this number all day long over 17 and a half receiving yards. And that being said, Nat, just to add a couple more, I'm still liking the ones I picked last week. I'm still Still liking Mike Evans over his receiving yards I think Baker he's Baker Mayfield's number one target I think he's going to get a lot of looks deep so I think all it takes is three receptions for him to go over this number Deshaun Watson they've only gone up to 25 25 yards rushing I watched all of that game and trust me he is much much more um, comfortable running with the ball than he is throwing the ball I'm still not convinced that he has this passing offense down but what he does have is the athleticism to make plays especially when needed on third down and he looks to run a lot more than he does look to pass so I think over 25 rushing yards is still too low so i'm just going to sprinkle in some of the ones i had last week again and just say go back to that until the market corrects them because i still think they're too low love that propo he is the prop king for a reason get
0: involved with that there will be a number of propos prop bets over on the Fitstairs site uh go and check out uh, them if you're going to have some action this weekend it is uh fitstairs.com of course and the link is in our Show notes, and we're going to push it out on our social channels as well. Remember, gambling is just one form of entertainment. Stick to your budget, only bet what you can afford to lose. 21 plus be gamble aware.org. Brilliant stuff, Propo. It is always a pleasure catching up with you on a Friday morning to look ahead to the week's action. Go well, my friend. Good luck to all of you out there if you are going to have a bit of action. Best of British. And we'll be back, well, next up with Iron Mike, of course, on the Monday show. Who've we got midweek, Cole? Who's our midweek guest next week? Phoebe Schechter. The brilliant Phoebe Schechter in the house. Looking forward to catching up with Phoebs. Benny, of course, and FFS. Still time to get involved with our listener league, incidentally. We've got uh, competition prizes galore, including courtesy of uh, DraftKings. They're giving away tickets to Jags Falcons at Wembley. Go get involved with our free-to-enter League Over on DraftKings and you can enter a team into that. If you come top, if uh, any of the free to enter contests between now and the end of week three, you will snag those tickets. Pretty simple to so go and get involved with that as well. Uh and uh yeah, plenty more coming your way on our social channels too, including, as I said before, YouTube. That's where lots of the videos show sick. You can go subscribe to us, show us some love there as well. Look after yourself. Cheers, propo. Cheers, my man. Podcast Network.